0: Well, if you are watching this at home, or if you're here in the room with us, so great to have you with us today. I'm Matt, if you don't know me, I'm the pastor here at Liberty Church, if you want to find yourself a seat. And if you have a Bible with you, if you want to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, Uh, we had been working through the Gospel of Luke uh, since uh, the beginning, well, since February, I think, Uh, and we had finished that last week, so we are... Uh, going to spend the next few months working through this uh, peculiar, we'll call it that, peculiar book, Ecclesiastes. Uh, We've called this series, Wisdom for a World That Refuses to Make Sense, which might be how perhaps you're feeling in the last year or so. Today we're just going to look at the first 11 verses of chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes. So I'm going to read those. To us now, says this, Ecclesiastes chapter one, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south, goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see this is new it has been already in the ages before us there is no remembrance of former things nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after let me pray Jesus we thank you for this book this word which is life to us which is fuel for us, which speaks to us, which does us good. And we're going to take hold of that today, that wonderful promise in Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for us in so many different ways. We lay hold of that promise, and we, let these, we want to let these words speak hope and courage and life to us this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, you be at work right now for all of us, here in the room and everyone watching at home, that you would bless us and build your church today. Amen. So you might have read that. Maybe you're familiar with the book of Ecclesiastes. Maybe that's the first time you've come across this book or ever read any of it. And you might be thinking, how on earth did this book get in the Bible? It's, uh, it's written like, almost as though it was written on a Monday morning. It's kind of got that vibe to it. Some people describe it as as cynical. Some people describe it as uh, pessimistic. Or perhaps more positively, you could say it's a book, as we go through it week by week, we're going to find a book that's brutally honest, that's boldly realistic, that it looks into the reality of our world, of life in this world, and very simply lays out what life is like, but also how we can find God in the midst of it. Herman Melville, who wrote the novel Moby Dick, he called this the truest, the truest of all books. And it is very, very true to our real life. You could also say it's written as though it was written in the last year. I mean, obviously, it, was, it, it wasn't. It was written probably 2,500 years ago, but it, it, it speaks as though it was written in a very modern way. It picks up on modern themes. It picks up, up on life as we know it. Because for many of us, the last year or so has felt very, very brutal, very realistic. Many of the temporary joys that we find in life have been stripped away from us. Many of the things that once felt secure now feel more like a a vapour to us. Many of the things that we built our lives upon, the things that we trusted, the things that gave us hope, that gave us meaning, that gave us purpose, they feel very vain now, perhaps. Perhaps. So this book is going to speak into many of, many of our experiences of the last 12 months, many of the things that you may be feeling, processing in your life at the moment. Because more than anything, this book is written for us as wisdom. That's what this book is for. Later on, it goes on to say that wisdom is better than weapons of war, that what we need right now... What we always need in our life is true wisdom. And in the Bible, you find what people call the wisdom literature. There's several books, Proverbs, Song of Songs, uh, Ecclesiastes, which speak to us wisdom. Books that actually encourage us to, to think. They encourage us to reflect on our lives, to ponder what life is like, but also... They draw us little by little to God and who he is. Perhaps the best way to understand this book is if you think of, you know, one of those, uh, one of those movies or a TV show where you walk into the, a big room in a police station and there's detectives mapping up on a giant wall where they're trying to solve a case and they've got their key suspects, their key facts, all the incidents, little bits of string trying to hold everything together. And life can sometimes feel like that, that life is just this unending wall of all these different things going on, these different joys and sufferings, different events, different happenings in our life. And you might be the sort of person that you live life uh, very close up to the wall, that you you get focused on just one aspect of life, that just one thing that's happening suddenly becomes everything to you. Maybe maybe a positive thing or a negative thing, but that, that kind of one moment can encompass your whole life. You see everything that's happening in your life through the grid of that one thing. Or maybe you're the sort of person that you like to step back and you go way back so that the wall of everything that's happening in your life suddenly becomes very blurry, <laughs> that you're not distracted by it, that you just want to live each day as it comes. You don't want to get lost in all the different details of life this wisdom literature in the Bible, this book of Ecclesiastes what it does is it it helps us to look at everything that's happening in our life and begin to piece different things together. Begin to see God's purposes God to see his design, his plan for you and your life. And also helps you to see the bits that don't make sense. The bits you think I don't understand why God's doing that. I don't understand why I'm on this bit of the journey. I don't understand why that happened and how that connects to this. More than anything, this book helps us through those moments to to trust in God, in his plan, in his sovereign will for our lives. And perhaps the best, the the, the key to, to understanding this book, the best way for us to make sense of it is this word that will appear, it appears 29 times through the book, and just five times in verse 2 alone, where it says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And this word has been translated in lots of different ways. Some, depending on what version of the Bible you're looking at, it may have been translated as meaningless, as emptiness there's futility there's something that's pointless if a teenager was translating the Bible they'd probably translate it as like meh like meh or just kind of a grunt or some other translations of the Bible translate it as like smoke life is just smoke like a vapour the breath just vanity just evaporates, disappears. Which is how other parts of the Bible talk about life. In Psalm 39, it says, surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. In James, it says, for you are a, a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes and I think this book, there's sort of two big ideas going on there. One, that this life is sort of futile, meaningless, or that life is just this sort of temporary vapour. And this book speaks into both of those different, different ideas. Perhaps the, the Dutch translation, which was on the screen earlier, right now, even suggests it a little bit better, that life is both air and emptiness. And what we're going to do is we're going to go through this book. We're going to assess life through that grid. We're going to look at issues of our time, of justice and injustice, of suffering, of wealth, of happiness, of our relationships, and see that when those things are without God, that they feel often, they seem, or they are like this, futile, empty, pointless. That's how they can feel to us sometimes. And what happens in this passage is what the preacher, as he's described here, what he does to us is he asks a question to try and make this point. He's taking this sort of big idea that runs through the book and he's trying to open it up to us. So his, his question we can read, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sum, what profit is there to life if you invest money you expect a, a dividend you know a return a gain some interest something you 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 expect something back he's asking that question what can we expect back from life from everything we put into it all our toil all our energy what what do we get back from life what does life give to us And as he goes through these verses here, he looks, first of all, he looks at human history. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Then he looks at the history of nature. He talks about the sun rising and going down, the wind blowing, the streams running into the sea, but never filling the sea up the Bible picks up on this idea elsewhere in the book of Romans it says even creation itself even the world around us is subject to futility that after the fall which you can read about in Genesis 3 after the curse has come life under the sun is cyclical things go around and they come around things happen and then they happen again that life fades, that even our lives, although we often feel as though we, we, we are endowed with this sense of meaning and importance, we all know that we will return to dust. It's the one certainty we all have in our life that we will fade away, that our lives are temporary. And the result of this is he Answers that question in verse 8. He says, all things are full of weariness. That's the, maybe the best way you could describe the last year of your life. I just feel weary. I just feel tired. Just, you know, burnt out. Just at the end of my tether, at the end of myself. Just spent and that's not just a feeling that we would feel from the last year often life will feel like that because again if you go back to genesis three that's the result of adam and eve's sin and of the fall is that life our toil our efforts there are thistles and thorns that catch us there's it's hard there's a toil to life And then he uses a a metaphor to try and explain it to us. He says, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. We are weary and we can't satisfy that weariness with seeing more things. You can't satisfy that weariness with another new series on netflix you can't try and fill that space all of us in life under the sun we're stuck in this cycle of futility that's always demanding more of us we finish the series that we're watching and then we're on to the next one the novel we're reading enjoys but it doesn't quite we always need more We can never just read one, watch one thing, do one thing. That's very much the nature of sin and temptation in our lives. It it over-promises and it under-delivers. This will complete you. This relationship, this thing that you're hoping for, if you can just get that in place, life will just fly. And then we, we get there. We get to the thing we've been hoping for. We achieve the thing that we've been dreaming about, and we find that, yeah, yeah it's good, but it's not quite enough. That we find our own lives stuck in this pattern, in the, this cycle. It's the, the nature of life in a city like ours that there's always more. There's always more to do, to see, to hear. There's always new things to try, new new experiences. New things to try and satisfy, to try and fill. And what this preacher does is he's almost reviewing all of human history, all all of the history of the nature of our world, and he stands back and he says, what has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. And, he, and then he asks the question of it. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? And then he says, it has already been in the ages before us. Everything that we, we, we think we've... is." new and tantalizing and fresh. It's just a repeat of something else that's gone before. None of these things are new enough, are good enough, and in the end, it's forgotten. It fades. It disappears. So I appreciate this might be a little bit bleak so far. (laughs) The question we asked at the start, the title of this message was, was, why bother? Because if, if that's what life is, if life is just a pointless cycle of meaninglessness, if life is just a vapor that comes and goes, that fades, if there's no permanent lasting satisfaction, if life right now is as good as it gets. Because that's, in a sense, that's the summary of his argument. If you read through this passage, if you could sum it up in one phrase, it would be to answer his question, what does man gain? He says, there's, there's nothing to gain. There's nothing to gain from life under the sun. There's nothing to gain from under, life under the sun without God. That's the point he's making in this passage. If you've looked at this passage closely, you'll realize that there's no mention of God. He's not not here. There's there's barely even a hint of God. There's, There's barely even any kind of doctrine, anything that is familiar to us from reading the rest of the Bible. And the point he's making, that without God, apart from God, there's nothing to gain. But if we're to... If you, in a sense, sort of test his pi- hypothesis that there's nothing to gain, that there's nothing new under the sun, we know from reading the whole of this book that there's plenty that's new under the sun. We know that in Jesus, we're, we're born again. We have this new birth that it talks about in the book of John, that he's made a new covenant with us. It talks about in Ezekiel that he's given us a new life, a new heart in revelation it's it, the life in the kingdom of god is this new day that's dawned that with god there's all kinds of newness to be had let me read this one verse from 2 corinthians it says therefore if anyone if anyone is in christ he is a new creation the old has Finally, once and for all, all these cycles, these patterns, but now in Christ, it's passed away. Behold, the new has come. Because yes, life under the sun may feel very futile and like a vapor, but life in the sun, life in the Son of God, life in Jesus is a life of fullness a life of richness that doesn't mean everything's perfect it doesn't mean everything makes sense it doesn't mean that you shouldn't feel weary and tired but what it does mean is that the weariness you feel the tiredness in your heart in a sense it, it points us to our need for God this is that's why God made us to be people that need sleep. It's a daily reminder that you're not sufficient in yourself. A daily reminder that we need God, that we don't have enough strength, that we need to rest. And yet for us, he he never rests. He's always at work for us. In Romans 8, which talked about this, all of creation being subject to futility, It goes on to say, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Perhaps that's the the best way to respond to a message like this is to just let the Holy Spirit come and help you in your weakness, in your weariness, in your tiredness, in your lack of feeling any sense of purpose, any sense of meaning. Let God come and inhabit those spaces. He goes on to say, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. That there's, there is an overarching meaning and purpose to life. It's the goodness of God. It's at work within you to draw you to him, to help you, to enable you to live lives of worship and adoration that he has made you for meaning and purpose he has made you actually that you can live for a life that's much more than a a vapour that's much more than vanity that you can live now for the kingdom of God for something that will last forever and you get to one day be with him forever and enjoy that eternity and perhaps the the thing that we can put into action today is all the time, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, all the time we're tempted to live life without God. That's the grand mission that our city, the world around us is on, is to get the best, the most enjoyment out of life without God. But yet, the best way to live life is to give your life over to God. Not to just live under the sun, but to live life in the sun, in his fullness, in his richness. So come to Jesus this morning. Receive his grace, his mercy, where you've been trying to live life through your own efforts, where you've been striving, trying to find meaning, trying to do some things to satisfy, to, to to lift off the weariness. Instead, let that weariness lead you to him where you can receive his grace, his calling, his plan, his purpose, his meaning for your life. Let me pray and then Joe and the band are going to lead us in a song. Jesus, we just want to come to you this morning and I'll know this, some of the words in this chapter today you may have seen rather Bleak. Perhaps even a bit cynical. Perhaps as though they were written on a Monday morning. We thank you that in the fullness of you we know that's life to the full. That there is joy to be had even in the midst of the darkest of suffering. That there's delight to be had. Even in journeys of pain and frustration even in weariness there's your goodness to feed our souls and I pray you'd help each one of us right now I pray Holy Spirit you would just come to all of us here in the room everyone watching at home I pray right now Holy Spirit you would you would come and fill us come and help us in our weakness that we know that not only do you fill us, that you're, you're praying for us, that the Spirit intercedes for us, that Jesus, that's what you're doing right now before the Father, that you're praying, that you're uh, bringing us as the mediator, you're bringing us to the Father, and that you're pouring out your grace and goodness on us as, Life and power and purpose and meaning. To give life its true center, its true purpose. Just minister to our hearts right now as we sing and pray. Amen.